wise people say that let me know how you were loved as a child and I tell you how you show up in your relationships. And this is something that has always been intriguing for me because there are ways in which I realize that I show up in relationships, often thinking that I'm not so lovable or I'm I'm going to be dumped anyway. So there are things that I've been learning personally for over quite a few years, how I can actually navigate my relationships and be the best version of myself, connecting to my own truth and my own authenticity, but also attracting people that respect my authenticity and who I am and how we can grow together. I'm really happy to have two amazing women on this episode today. So this is a very important topic when it comes to your desire and libido, because we are talking about nervous systems and attachment styles. And first of all, I would love to welcome you, Angelique. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Anne. <laughs> it's really lovely to be here with you today. <laughs> Has been quite a subject in my life on a personal level. And so I learned a lot from my own experience and I am sexuality and relationship coach. And so it's an honor to help other people to learn more about themselves, evolve in their relationships. And welcome, Amanda, back on the show. How are you feeling today? Thank you. And it's really a pleasure to be your guest for the second time as your student, I would say. I'm learning so much about sexuality, my body, my way of relating. So I'm here to, to share my story, but I'm also here to continue learning and expanding my knowledge. Yeah. So thank you so much to both of you. Thank you for showing up and com coming on this show again. I know it's it can be quite vulnerable and it can be quite intimidating as well to to talk about your personal relationship and sex life. And you've been so amazingly authentic in the previous episode where we talked about pleasure in, I think it was, was it episode two? Quite mm. early on. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it was, I, th I think it's still the most, listen to episodes. So if you haven't, listeners, <laughs> heard that episode, please go and listen to that. And actually, you are in Switzerland. I would like to welcome new Swiss listeners because the podcast is actually starting to trend in Switzerland. So obviously, there is something that your energy is bringing up. <laughs> and also Francesca, who's been on this show a few times, she lives in Switzerland. So... How do we start talking about this quite? I don't know. It's I can feel myself a little bit contracting at the moment as well, because relationships are we go into them with lots of enthusiasm, let's say. We are we are kind of falling in love or we are finding somebody attractive and it's kind of, you know, yes, 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 let's go together and you know, do wonderful things to each other. It's something that people feel that honeymoon and it's kind of, oh wow, you know, this is the person I want to be forever with. And 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 then we start getting into stormy seas and the honeymoon period stops. I'm really curious what's happening there. Angelique, would you like to take it from there? What I really liked is the way you introduced the podcast, asking this question, tell me how you were loved in when you were a child, and I will 
tell you how you are and who you are in relationships. It is true that it has definitely some impacts, even though we are not consciously aware of, but it does have an impact in the way you interact as an adult in your relationships. When I was, uh, when I was a child, the message that I received and the way I was raised, it was with two heterosexual figures and I had in a very classic way, my father, my mother, and they were really absolutely passionate lovers. Really. <laughs> they really were. They really were. They were really positive about sexuality. They were very bubbly, very expansive and very demonstrative in their affection and in their love together. And at some point, life happens and they decided to get a divorce. And that happened in very dramatic and very chaotic conditions. So there was in the, in the messages that it gave me as a child, it was like, okay, so it's very, very important that there is a high intensity in terms of chemistry. There is a high intensity in sexual connection. If sexual connection is not here, then it means that there is going to be a divorce that is going to happen in really dramatic conditions. And so that is the message that I was with, and the message that I picked unconsciously, you know, with my 10-year-old point of view and my teenage point of view. And so without me being aware of it, it is true that in the beginning of my love life, I started to interact in this way. So my very first relationship was with someone that with whom I had huge and amazing sexual chemistry. And at some point, my nervous system had reached a certain capacity. My first uh, lover, we spent 10 years together. And at some point, the next step was moving in together. The next step was getting married together. It was getting kids together. And at that time, I was still quite young. I was like, I don't know, 23 years old. Yeah, I started my love life quite early on. And at that time, I was like, okay, that is too much. That is too much. And that is the only person that I knew so far. And what if I want to travel? What if it doesn't work? So I started to get really nervous. And this is like with some perspective and with quite some years that have passed by in between. It was actually without me being aware of it, my nervous system that had reached a certain capacity. And in a way was like, oh, wait, you're getting into very deep and very close intimacy. There's a danger that you're going to experience again the dramatic divorce that your parents have been through. Let's get out, which I did. And I'm not saying that because you have lived this experience, you're going to react and act exactly as your parental figure did, or this is like going to happen in repetition. But in the first place, this is what happened. Afterwards, I had many different types of lovers, relationships. And at some point, I realized that my relationships were not nurturing in the sense that I was experiencing a lot of distress. Either was it emotionally, either was it more sexually, where there was incompatibility or there was very different ways of approaching sex that were not nurturing. And at some point, I discovered this concept of attachment theory, attachment styles, and how when you have a better understanding of what these profiles are, what are different ways you can experience sexuality also, whether it is more from a tantric approach, whether it is more from an energetic point of view, that gives a lot of understanding for you and yourself first, knowing, okay, this is what my needs are, this is how I function in relationships, but also better understanding of your partners and lovers. 
my personal experience growing up as a child has in the first place impacted the way I re- interacted in relationships. And now I have other perspectives and other experiences. Thank you for sharing that and celebrations of all that work you've done and understanding how you are showing up in relationships and what you actually want and go, going to get married when you're 23. So it's a, <laughs> it's a big deal. I mean, I was at that age when I had my first child. So that's also a very big thing. I really love the awareness and consciousness you, you've brought into your relationships. You've gone on this journey and you really understand how your parental example, in a way, worked on. That was a model. In terms of the attachment theory, how do you explain that now that you know more about attachment theory? Yes. Uh, So maybe I can start by explaining very briefly, like the main attachment styles. So there's four main attachment styles. And before I go a little bit deeper on that, it's not a personality trait. And they are fluid. Something that I thought about for a long time is that, okay, I have this attachment styles and this is the one I'm going to be stick to for my whole life. And this is not true. It can vary. You can behave in a certain style in a certain relationship and have something completely different in other. It really depends on also other circumstances, like where you live right now, the level of stability that you can have in your life. So your health, it can really depends on a lot of things and nothing is really fixed for life. Also, there is not one attachment style that is better than the other. They are all great and beautiful as they are. So the first one is described as the anxious attachment style. The core wound is I'm going to be abandoned by my partner and whatever happens, either the person is going to leave or the relationship is going to to end. So there is a fear of abandonment and there is a deep need for connection and safety. You can already relate to that one. Oh, Amanda, you're raising your hand. Shall I invite Amanda to say a few words? What came up for you for that? Yeah, I feel that one of the things that I always say I require from a man is safety. So I have experienced what you were talking about. Yes, yes, definitely. Also the safety we talked about in the last episode about different arousal in a female body and how we need more safety. It's about brakes and accelerators. So it's it's also happening on that kind of nervous system point of view. The second attachment style is more of what we call avoidant, a way to interact in relationships where you're like, I like you, but not too close. And the deeper fear of the avoidant attachment style is a fear of being intruded, the fear of too much intimacy, the fear of being stuck. And also in a way, a certain fear of being very intimate with someone you love. So the best strategy would be to pull away so that you won't be hurt if you're betrayed or you won't be hurt because you fear you're not doing enough. Actually, you fear that whatever happens, it's not going to be enough. So this is a a strategy to take some distance as a way to resource. Can I ask something, Angelique? Because to me, it already feels like these two styles I feel that they are part of my patterns and they are kind of related somehow. Uh, Because at at the very core, there is a certain 
a feeling of anxiety. The way it shows up is that you are taking two different strategies. Because you have a need for safety and connection, you really want to be very close to a partner. Sometimes because you have a need for independence, for more freedom, you are going to use the other strategy. But at the same, at the core, there is this feeling of, oof, it's not comfortable. <laughs> so it's just the way to interact is different. And sometimes when it feels like you have both, it is called a disorganized attachment style. I don't really like that term, but in the sense that you are using both strategies at the same time. So sometimes even within the same relationship, you're going to have this deep need for connection and need for being reassured. And at the same time, you're going to need some distance. So both can happen within the same relationship. Thank you so much. It's, it's already so deep. It's already taking me into like a lot of my processes. So thank you for this information. Really, I start seeing more and more of, of my behavior and I'm looking forward to to discuss with you, like what can change and how it can change. I suppose that would have been my question to you, Angelique, as well. What do you do if you're, if you're this kind of an anxious person, especially how does that then affect your sex life? Well, it can have an impact in two different ways. And the first very thing that I want to share is to have a lot of love and acceptance for who you are, because it doesn't say the fact that you lean more towards Anxious, anxious behaviors or more avoidant behaviors doesn't say a word about your worth, about who you are as a person. And having a sec acceptance for what you're experiencing is really the key because otherwise it can nurture this thought of it's not enough or why am I behaving this way? So love and acceptance is what I would say the first thing that has helped me the most when it came very strongly for me. So that is the first thing. When it comes more to sexual interactions and how does it play a part, the thing is that in the longer term, when you lean more towards an anxious way or more towards an avoidant behavior, it has a difference in the way you approach sex. So for instance, if you lean more towards the anxious personality, sex is a way to have intimacy. Sex is a way to have a deep connection. And there is also this desire to have kind of fusing experience with someone. You value sexuality, you value intimacy, and there is this deep desire for merging and longing with the partner, a deep desire for sex to be passionate and alive for <laughs> until after we passed away. And this is something that is really beautiful, but the something that is very common is that sexual satisfaction is really a key to how fresh and alive you consider your relationship is. While it is the complete opposite for someone that would lean more towards the more avoidant style. So someone that leans more towards avoidant attachment style would consider sex as a way to have physical needs met, but less intimate needs met. And that because there is this fear of being too intimate with someone, there is a big fear underneath that, what does it look like for me to have a high degree of sexual intimacy and connection with someone that I deeply love and care about. So this is why it can be so much easier for people that lean more towards avoidance style to have casual sexual encounters and have different lovers. I'm not saying that it's bad or wrong or anything, it just is. And this is 
also what happened to me at some point when I told you the story. Okay, now we're getting married and having kids and okay, no, stop. I don't know what this looks like up to my lived experience. To conclude all that sometimes, if you're looking for a long-term partnership with someone, these two behaviors, a way of behaving in relationships, they really mirror one another. So it's very common as the relationship evolves, the person that leans more towards anxious attachment is going to be more sensitive to changes in terms of intensity and frequency of sexual intimacy. And the person that is more avoidant would pull backwards as the relationship evolves. And so the more this person goes backwards, the more the anxious person is going to move forward. So there is this dance because in the nervous system point of view, for the anxious partner, it's really like putting brakes on, hey, we're not intimate. There is a danger. And for the avoidant partner, it's going to be the exact opposite. There's a lot of breaks because, hey, there is a danger. That person that I care about is really getting close and is asking a lot for me. Well, I feel that I need space and I'm not enough. I feel I'm really passionate about this topic and I could talk about for hours. So please feel free to interrupt me. I don't want to really interrupt you because it's such important information. And also your own lived in experience explains what was going on with you. You now have that information and you know what to do with it. What really kind of perked up my ears was that there's been a lot of misunderstanding about sexuality, about that it's just biological, it's just needs to be met. It's it's that kind of turn on arousal and relaxation or reproduction of human race. And, and that actually explains if there is that kind of avoidance in a way. Definitely. The messages that we hear about society and also the, the way sex is represented before you you have the opportunity to discover that through Tantra and through softer and more energetic sexuality practices, there is another way where you can experience your sexuality. It is true that there can be this request of performance and there is this common popular thought that, okay, we need to have sex like once a week, (laughs) twice a month, or I don't know, but it can be very easy to associate a number, so a performance, according to sexuality, but that number can go for the duration of what you're doing when you're having sex with someone and also the frequency. And this is like really bullshit because it is true that when you when you explore your sexuality through different angles, you realize that there is so much more than just penis in a vagina. I mean, I don't know the, the word in English, but you know, the things you, you do that lean to sex and then sex, you orgasm and then you're done. <laughs> People call it a foreplay, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a smurgos, smurgos board. You know, I think that should be or sometimes, you know, just the main thing, but we, we can discuss that later. Yes. yes. Preliminaire, as we say in French. It's really important to deconstruct all the misconceptions there can be between how many times do we need to have sex, what does it need, and how do we have to have sex? Do I have to perform a certain way? If my partner is not experiencing an orgasm, then that means that it's not good enough. And, you know, it's all that you put as a meaning behind those thoughts and misconceptions. Uh, I also want to bring Amanda on. What did that bring up for you? 
Thank you, Anne. I feel the first thing that came up for me was that in an intimate space, in a sexual space, I do look for that deeper connection. And yeah, it's, I, I'm always wanting deeper, deeper, deeper connection before I can really open myself up to someone sexually. And this is also what I'm looking for in the sexual relationship. So this is already an insight a deeper insight into my patterns and where where I am at the moment. And then I'm also seeing, and maybe you can elaborate a bit more, maybe I have more this avoidant the rest of my relationships. I'm I'm still processing this, but this is where I am right now. And maybe I don't know if there is a difference in the way we, we relate romantically and the way we relate to others. This is a big question I have in life, yeah, <laughs> I would say. Well, yes, completely. Completely. Because as I said, it's it's a way to understand, okay, this is what is going on for me. This is what is at play. But as I said, it's not something that is fixed for life, nor is it a personality trait. And to me, you can absolutely, for instance, at some point in your life, lean more towards being more distant and avoidant while at the same time craving this connection. But at some point in your life, you can be very aroused by things that are very sexual or at some point you have a desire to be more energetic and explore tantra and explore full body orgasms. You can be at some point be more interested in kinky sex or things where you have domination and submissive roles that are at play. There are times where you have a desire to experience something that is really more sensual and that goes into the play with hot and cold and, you know, temperatures and environments. So all of that can really exist. And to me, you can absolutely be someone that is more, for instance, avoidant at some point while still craving the depth and the connection. I have so much more desire to dive deeper into this as well. And it's, it, I start seeing more. And more that, yeah, it's not all black and white, like many things in life, no? So it's it's a very beautiful way of even seeing different aspects of my behavior, I would say. And like you said, it's not a personality and this is just how you are. It's, it's very reassuring as well. So thank you. Yeah. What about you, Anne? <laughs> No, I love this because it comes up in everybody's life and it's just something that we, we, because of our life experiences, because the way we have been raised and what we've gone through, it, it makes so much sense to then actually study and understand these processes and how it reflects in, in your future lives and life at the moment. And I, I suppose my what I'm taking away from this is that kind of consolation or that kind of beauty that it's not written in stone. So whatever has happened to you in your life, you know, whatever you've experienced, even if it's traumatic, you can still rewire your nervous system. You can still learn a new way of managing your yourself and your relationships. And I think the the definitely for me to to get out of that anxious attachment style has been very much about what you also said earlier, Angelica, is about self love and understanding that I am lovable. I'm actually quite lovable. I'm actually really, really, really lovable, aren't I? So, <laughs> so it's that kind of, it's that kind of 
you know, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want to love me? I mean, who wouldn't want to be with me? And it's it's that kind of where, where you really start understanding in whatever processes or whatever therapy or coaching or whatever you're going through that you can heal and you can change and you can transform and you can really give yourself what you need. You don't need to outsource. This is something that I learned from you, Amanda, in the episode two, when you were saying about pleasure and how you, when you were younger, you used to outsource your pleasure to a man. And, you know, this is the same thing with love and and, and kind of that security and safety is that you can give all that to yourself. You don't need a man. You don't need another person who will give that. However, you know, I do believe that there are there is healing to be had in relationships as well. And I suppose when you were talking about the, Angelique, you were talking about the anxious style and then the avoidance style and how that, I just visual, visualize this, this, what do you call it? A rubber band where, you know, it's kind of the other one is trying to pull the other way and it it kind of just, you know, it 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 just it just doesn't work. So what would what would you say, Angelique? What are your tips about yes. this type of a relationship? Yes. So if in the in the field of when someone is really pulling on this way and the other is pulling in the other direction. So there are a few uh, things that I would recommend for both. So if in your relationship, you lean more towards the anxious personality trait. The first thing that I would recommend to get curious before you get anxious about what it means. Accepting and understanding that your partner is different. Your partner has different desires. Your partner has different needs. Your partner has different sexual needs and desires. And that's completely fine. And it's not because you are experiencing temporarily dry spells that it means anything about how much love there is in your relationship and how much is functioning the relationship. Also, <clears throat> something that is very important is not to make the other partner's non-desire to be physical, to be intimate, to have sex, anything personal. So that happens. There can be this deep sense of sadness and of rejection that is quite hurtful. And in that case, self-soothing, self-love, we come back to this again, is very, very key. If I put my stories, my fear and I want aside, not saying that it's easy, huh? it's, it's really a process. But if I put that aside for a moment, how can I soothe myself? How can I reassure? And what in the past has shown me that this relationship has intimacy is just that temporarily it is not what we're experiencing in the moment and it can change and that is fine. And also, I'm a very big hit for exploring your sexuality in your own way. Because if you rely a lot on your partners for your needs for sex and intimacy, then it is putting a lot of pressure. Because there is, for instance, it's very, it was very common for me. And also, it's a message that I heard when I was a teenager, like to keep your sexual arousal and your desire for, for your partner. And no, absolutely not. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, is that the French way, or was it was it your family? I mean, w w where did that come from? No, I mean, it was like some kind of message that I picked along the way while growing up, like or something that I don't know. I I I thought at some point that it's like. Hey, I mean, if you're experiencing desire and you're seeing your partner like not in a long time, well, 
keep that arousal for when you're having sex with your partner because then the sex is going to be all the more expensive. And it's something, yeah, that I discuss with some friends at some point and it's kind of a common thought that can exist at some point. And no, no, but that... I, I mean, that's, I, I needed a little bit shake there, you know, and I noticed Amanda also did a little bit of her, you know, it's, it's kind of that very ancient thing where a woman is asked to, 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 to exist, to please a man's sexual mm. needs. And it's not yeah. for yourself. And I think the whole selfishly happy revolution is very much about reclaiming your own pleasure, learning about what's pleasurable for you so that you can then show up in a relationship in a more authentically, you know, really knowing what you want, because I know, and if we're talking about, you know, heterosexual relationships, men really want to please their partners. They really want to know what, what makes you tick and what makes you to, to have pleasure and orgasm. And and they're really keen to know, but if you don't know yourself, you know, how can you explain that? How can you tell? And so, so this is very, very important. So I'm taking away what you just said that, you know, knowing yourself is very important in terms of when it comes to pleasure and sex and sexuality, but also understanding if you are an anxious, if you have an anxious style that you can really self-soothe yourself and really breathe even into that and kind of shake off that, you know, when, when something uncomfortable starts happening in your body. I think those are really good processes that I've already seen in play in this um in this episode. So also you said that it can be just like a temporary thing, that there is this kind of drought, lack of sex, and it doesn't need to mean anything bigger that you're going to be dumped or you're not lovable. What else can you do in these kind of situations? You know, first of all, we kind of said that become your first lover, your best lover, and know yourself well, love yourself the best. But what can you do with the other person? Giving space? But is there anything else? Yes, of course. Communication. Communication in the sense that you're speaking for your desires rather than focusing on complaints and what is not working. So I'm not saying that is easy at all. It's definitely not easy, especially if some fears are getting triggered. It's very easy to go into this sense of this has not happened or you don't understand me or things like that. And if you, there is a way to communicate to your partner that is more in favor, especially if your partner is more on the other personality, a more avoidant style to say, hey, at some point, when you feel ready, I have a desire to speak about what, about our relationship and about our sex life. And let me know when you're ready to talk about it. And also really focus on the positive because something that we tend to do is focus on the negative. And when we have this saying, Oh, talk about sex with your partner, people get really frightened. Well, first, because it's quite vulnerable and it's quite intimate. And also there is this fear that the problems are going to be talked about in the first place. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't be addressed and you should put that stuff under the carpet, not at all. But really first start with what you like about the other person, what remember beautiful, intimate moments you had, what make this moment more special, you know, start with this because it's a way to reconnect to something positive that has happened in the past and what you like about your partner, what is making them so attractive or, hey, when you did that at some point, I really appreciated it. So that's really something and it creates less stress and nervousness around the conversation. So have this dance where you can talk about your desire, what you want from a positive point of view 
And then also learn little by little to talk about your experience after you had sex with, with your partner. So you can take some time to say, I really appreciated when this happened and that happened. And I would prefer the next time if you do it this way rather than this way, because that makes me feel more aroused or more excited, or I could felt more safe. If you are listening to this episode and you are feeling more anxious in your personality, yeah, to sum up, there's going to be the, the self-soothing part, using embodiment practices, the exploring your sexuality on your own without your partner, because that's key to your sexual satisfaction. That reduces also the amount of anxiety and stress. And that's also learning how to communicate, mostly from a positive perspective and learning how to little by little talk about sex as if you were talking about what you're going to buy to the supermarket or where you're going to go on vacation next. <laughs> yes, I, I love that. That's beautiful. Amanda, over to you. What are you thinking and feeling at the moment? I'm so excited you brought this up because when Angeliki were saying, in what ways can we yeah, make make the situation less of a resistance and pulling different ways. For me, the thing that came up from my experience is communication. I'm, I'm very, very, very excited about how we humans interact and communicate to each other. This is really a topic that fascinates me. <laughs> and from my own experience, I am from being the more anxious and having a partner, which is more avoidant. I've experienced that when I came from a point of being over-emotional in, in a sense that I was just being not clear <laughs> about even what I was feeling or going through. It was more like blaming and pointing finger. The partner then pulled away more, of course, because he feels like, oh, danger, danger, more danger. But when I started experimenting with more, especially with Anne, I learned this way of communicating that says, first, we celebrate. So we celebrate. I celebrate that you touch me softly and this excites me. This warms my heart, for example. And that's already setting a different setting. No, we're not going in for a fight. We're finding more the common space and then we can start talking. And then there's the place, there's a space for clearing. So I say, I clear that I feel not so seen, for example, at this moment. And then there's the step where we say, what are my wishes, my desires? And I wish that, I don't know, this Friday we have a nice intimate evening, for example. I hope I did not mess it up, Anne, but this is from my experience. Not at all. That was beautifully conveyed. You know, I'm, you, you know you've really taken that on board and, and used it. So I'm really, really happy for you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah go I'm, on, go I'm, on. I'm so happy to have this tool of communicating. You know, I'm, I'm quite an emotional person. So this can sometimes hinder getting the message through and so I feel having this in 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 my system helps me to communicate and actually rather than creating more distance in relationships bringing the people closer together so I'm very happy you mentioned this communicating having authentic communication between the the partners in a relationship 
Well, thank you. I'm glad also that you, as Anne said, and as you shared, you have this way of communicating and it's definitely a, a process. And, um, and it's definitely not something that has to be perfect in the same time, the first time. It's really a trial. Like if you go to yoga and you want to do a headstand on the first, the first course, then, then you're, you're going to be very frustrated and disappointed. But yeah, that's in the long term and with practice, it really holds space for, yeah, seeing your partner from a different lens, from a different perspective, sharing your needs, feeling comfortable in sharing what your needs are, what you celebrate and do the same with your partner. Can I ask Angelique, what, what, if you are then the avoidant, we've been talking about, you know, now if you're an anxious, if you have an anxious attachment style, but what about the avoidant? What advice yeah. would you give to them? Yes. So the first advice would be like, is to become aware of what is happening. It's not always easy to recognize this is what is happening. Recognize when you have the need to pull away, to find more safety and gradually through embodiment practices to increase the level of safety, but while being emotionally connected and sexually connected with your long-term partner. So I'm not saying, of course, that this is easy. This is going to happen like in an instant. But this is to become aware of why am I pulling away and what am I trying to avoid by avoiding sex with my partner and gradually communicating to the unconscious part of your brain that is trying to keep you safe by pulling away, saying like, it is safe to connect, it is safe to be intimate. And I have a right also not to be intimate right now, it's okay, it's safe. So it's really creating this level of safety of being intimate with someone, just as someone that would be more anxious would increase the level of safety of being away and not connected, increasing the tolerance for emotional intimacy and vulnerability. Talking about what you're experiencing feels all the more vulnerable. If, for instance, sharing afterwards, after you had sex with your partner, saying, oh, yes, this was pleasant, or this I liked a little less. And finally, if you have experienced some traumatic experiences when it comes to sex, it is this feeling that you disconnect from your body. It's like you you become the one who sees what you're doing, but you're not inside your body. So if that happens, pause, stop, <laughs> and take some deep breath and really reconnecting to your body. I am safe in my body and this is fine is also a way to gain more safety and letting your nervous system, letting your unconscious and your body knows that it is safe to connect. It is safe to be intimate. And also be very loving and patient with yourself because this process doesn't happen like in an instant. Thank you. That's that's really important to actually, what you touch there is about presence, isn't it? And if you are an avoidant type, then it's easy to get out of your body and become that witness, as you said. And actually, I would think that then if you have an anxious partner, they will sense that because they're very sensitive for they can be sensitive for energies for instance and they can sense that okay now that person is actually treating and not actually connecting at the heart level or soul level or intimate level i understood what you were saying earlier about the avoidant type retrieving to the head and losing the kind of present moment awareness so would you also think that there's there's like what you're seeing even tasting, you know, the kiss, you know, smelling the pussy or whatever, what you're hearing and what you're really touching, that coming to your five senses 
you can bring yourself back to presence and not retrieve into your your avoidant witness consciousness as it were yes thank you for it <laughs> definitely when you're triggered whether it is in one way or another coming back to the body and ground through your senses and through something that engages the body is really something that is going to to ground yourself and if you know there is a phrase that is quite helpful it is to say hey i'm noticed something is at play i just need some time to slow down or i just need some time to be with myself and i'm coming back to you you know because if you're more avoidant that is going to reassure the the other partner that is more anxious and that says okay something is at play and I'm going to hold myself like that, but I know that there is going to be like some reconnection at some point. So that that's a way, a very simple phrase that can go a long way, whether it is in a sexual and intimate moment or if it's more on a day-to-day moment and there is a fight, like taking some a pose, taking some deep breath and doing something that engages the body, whether you go for a walk and you look outside around you, you take some time to describe the colors, you know, what you're hearing and seeing engages the body and the senses, really slows down the nervous system and helps like the part of us that needs either to fight or to escape or to or to freeze to slow down. That's coming back to the brakes and the accelerators. I would like to share from my own experience, like as a student of Tantra, which I'm learning that so much that my body is such an indicator of what's going on on a deeper level, no? And I would like to share this experience where I was having a session with Anne. We were going into communicating, getting in touch with my inner child, who in this particular situation was feeling very unsafe. And we went into this process of actually asking her what she needs. And all she needed was that I touch my left hand. So this was really a big discovery for me because when I realized that I'm feeling either unsafe, you mentioned this avoiding people need to feel the safety now or that I'm being, I'm, I'm pulling away from someone. I I find it very useful for me. This is my way. But to, yes, take a moment, breathe, and I touch my left arm. Like, I don't know why the left arm for me, it's like that. But it's really, really helpful to help me come back into, okay, what is really going on and not going in this yeah panic mode in, in my head, maybe. Yeah, I just thought I'd, I'd share that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's really... Lovely and beautiful and so empowering also at the same time, knowing that, oh, I can feel this amount of relief, of safety or grounding by myself, by the sense of touch. It's really life-changing. So, yes. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. And I'm, I still remember that it's so powerful to know where your inner child lives. You know, if you, if you, we don't know why it's the left arm and it doesn't matter. The main thing is that it works for you, that when you feel that kind of panic, you can touch your left arm and say, yeah, we're okay. It's okay. We're safe. It's it's fine. This is good. We can breathe here and we can just be here together. So it's a, it's it's such a beautiful insight. 
beautiful revelation and beautiful practice for you. So I'm really, really honored and happy for that. Thank you. Now, I'm really curious, Angelique, coming back to you, because I think in the beginning you said that there were four attachment styles. So there's four main attachment styles and we mentioned three. We covered what is an anxious attachment style. And in summary, in brief, anxious attachment styles, a core wound is the fear of abandonment and there is a deep need for connection and reassurance. There is more the avoidant attachment style. The core wound is betrayal and also the fear of being trapped, not being enough. And the need is a need for space, a space and freedom in relationships. The third style is disorganized. It's in the way that you use both strategies and it's not fixed. So both can happen inside the same relationship. And the fourth one is the secure attachment style. It's the one where you feel balanced more. You feel there is a sense of balance. So you are at peace when you're with your partner. You are at peace when you're not with your partner. You feel safe to express your, your needs. You feel quite grounded when you notice that your partner is going through something. You can, you are able to, to support them. But basically there's more the sense of balance and groundedness. And it's not. I would say I don't know anyone that is 100% secure. <laughs> that is like, although that's all, I don't know anyone who's like 100% secure because we're human beings. And Absolutely, absolutely. But also what, what you said in the beginning is that we can all learn to become, I presume, then secure because then yes. you've, you've learned how to communicate. You've first of all learned yes. who you are and what you need. And then you learn how to communicate. Are there any other ways that you can become securely attached if your early life as a child hasn't given you that yes. groundedness? Yes. So the what has helped me on a very personal level is to invite security in the relationship rather than this goal of being 100% secure with myself. From my personal experience, it came little by little, having a different perspective and not let my fears come at play and rule and drive the relationship, rule and drive the sexual intimacy. There are some moments where you can still be securely attached most of the time and at some point have some elements of anxiety, some element of avoidance. Okay, and that's perfectly normal. It's how can you come back to more groundedness and more more safety? It's a little bit of training to speak your truth, speaking in an honest and vulnerable way without fearing that the other person is going to react. It's a little bit of practicing, holding space also for the partner of, okay, this is their experience and I know it's triggering and that's fine. And I'm going to know that we're going to come back to more balance and connection later on. You were mentioning the inner child also. It's taking some time to explore things that are more tender and vulnerable for yourself and talking to your inner child, talking to different parts of yourself that need reassurance. And when you change this reality, the outer reality changes little by little. So, yes. <laughs> That gives so much hope. <laughs> so, so there is actually, there is hope in the horizon that we can become more secure. And, but also what I heard from you is, is compassion, self-compassion. 
that it's not end of the world if you think, oh, I'm already now secure. I've worked so much with my inner child and my shadow parts, and I've worked so much with my growth and personal development, and then something happens. And it's it's not the end of the world. It's it's a process. We are we are human, as you said. But also I believe that when these kind of setbacks happen, I believe that more we work with ourselves and and learn about these things and learn about ourselves and our relationships, those kind of setbacks will be less and less, and they're less intense. They take less time to kind of self-correct and self-soothe. And as you said, the holding space is very important. I love that because you kind of take responsibility that, okay, I've triggered you. I've I've said something now that I know will trigger you. And I'm going to be able to hold space for you without me getting triggered by you getting triggered. And that's a very important skill because also we've obviously been advocating a lot about self, you know, being selfishly happy and selfishly pleasurable and all that. But it's also about taking responsibility of the other, the partner, and understanding that there is this kind of a couple bubble that you can create where you are your you're each other's best friends and you can meet not just your own needs, but also meet the other person's needs if if that feels safe and aligned to you and understanding how you can soothe the other person so that you kind of dissipate this potential fallouts even beforehand. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about this couple bubble or, or what, what does that bring up for you? Either of you, yes. Angelic, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, Amanda, if you have any things to share, please. I don't want to be the one talking most of the time. What I would like to share, and I'm in no means in no means an an expert of relationship, but I feel for me what is showing up to be important is the commitment that we are both or if there's more people in the relationship that all parts all beings in the relationship are committed to you using maybe it's not the right word but using this opportunity of relating to to grow to to develop to explore something deeper no i feel and and checking in from time to time where is our commitment where are we i feel this is an important ingredient as to move from severe attachment styles that just keep we keep repeating our patterns into a more secure less damaging i would say kind of relationship yeah i feel in my for myself this is the kind of relationship that now i am inviting that we are both committed to, <laughs> yes, I say it publicly, yeah? <laughs> I am inviting <laughs> this kind of relationship in my life that we we both can communicate our commitment. Yeah, that's it for me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. It's really touching and taking a time to... To feel the tenderness and the happiness of, of all that. And yes, because the moment when you have this desire, there is things that are coming along your way that makes it a reality. And yeah, and it's beautiful. And 
mentioning the couple bubble, it's really true. It's that falling in love is quite easy. Staying in love is really a choice. It's a choice. It's an everyday choice and it's a process and it's not perfect. And sometimes it's going to be raining. Sometimes it's going to be sunny by the beach and that's beautiful. But where there's little, little rituals really help that, you know, it's little rituals taking sometimes in the morning to look at your partner in the eyes for three minutes or taking all the time before you go to bed to not talk and just connect your bodies, feeling your body close to each other, breathing to another without speaking a word or taking moments to say what you appreciate during your day or what you appreciate during your partner. Little rituals like that, even if they are very short, very simple, it helps to nourish the couple bubble and make a beautiful color inside the bubble, make beautiful decorations. So yeah, little rituals and commitment to whatever happens, whatever ways, whatever, you know, storms are outside we have a place where you can connect and it's really a learning process to find safety into the 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 grounding and the the security wow i think this amazing episode because there's been so much information but also very vulnerable shares and and beautiful stories and also that vulnerability of yeah i'm not perfect i'm on a journey and also being vulnerable that i'm inviting a conscious relationship into my life like amanda just said you know that there is this this desire you're putting that vision out there and you're ready to to do the work yourself like angelique said beautifully that it's so easy to fall in love but it's bloody hard to stay in love <laughs> and, and now we understand a little bit more about why that happens because of these attachment styles that's one way of looking at it and nervous system we've talked about nervous system as well what happens with fight flight freeze and fawn and they are our biology this it's what happens in our physiology and also we have all this mind I was going to say mind fucks, but you know, it, it happens, you know, we have this, this kind of critical mind and we can understand where it comes from and it's okay. All of this is okay. Life is a journey. And luckily we have all these beautiful people like you two showing the way, paving the way and helping people to, to be okay with that not perfectness and learning and taking time to really reconnect with oneself and then the other people. Final words of this episode, Amanda, may I in, invite you on stage now? What what are you taking away from this? What are you celebrating? What are your learnings? For me, I'm still vibrating on, on these words that I said loudly, that I invite like a conscious relationship of both of us being committed to seeing where we have come from, how our childhood affected who we are now, no, being open about it. I feel this was very crucial when I, I learned this. Like, wow, my childhood affects so much how I behave now because it's not obvious for everyone. So I feel that if in this episode this comes through, I feel this is already like major. And yes, yeah, seeing where we are now, being accepting of this and seeing where we want to go together. So this is my 
my main takeout was that there was so much value that I feel so confident in what I said in my invitation. <laughs> so thank you so, so much. It's been a pleasure to, to learn and to have the space to reflect and to share my, my humble stories. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And they are beautiful stories. And thank you for being so vivacious and brave and sharing this with the world. <laughs> now it's out there and it's already coming to you, this beautiful conscious relationship. What about you, Angelique? What are your final points and words? Mm, thank you. I'm Right now I'm being a little emotional in a, in a beautiful way. Emotional because all of us have been vulnerable sharing about our stories and points of view. And yeah, I'm really touched by your calling, Amanda, because I relate also to some, a part in my life where I was calling this a conscious relationship that arrived not long after. And that came also with this loads of things to work on and etc. But it's, it was not as painful as it used to be. So. That's why I am moved and touched because I know that when you have a calling for something, then it's it's coming your way. So that's why I'm feeling touched. And also, yeah, I'm feeling moved because being here today, sharing about what I know and my experiences in terms of attachment and sexuality, it makes me, yeah, tender, but in a beautiful way because I relate to who I was like 10 years ago, someone completely different, someone coming with without knowing it, a lot of difficulties, a lot of traumas in different ways and layers and realizing, oh my God, this is what happens in like 10 years. This is amazing. And the reality completely shifted for me. So yeah, I have, I'm feeling emotional for and grateful for the knowledge that is available to us, the, the ways we can we can live, have a, live and experience something completely different. And, and I'm not saying that I'm arrived in life is smooth right now, but it's because I don't think it's, you know, you're there and nothing else ever happens again. But yeah, I'm not very year and specific right now, but just feeling emotional and grateful and optimistic also because I see the future with a lot of confidence. So yeah, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that's, oh, my heart is singing. My heart is truly <laughs> singing. And having been able to be on this call with you two today, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm speechless. And sometimes it's good to just sit with the emotions and let them take course and, and be okay with that because emotions are a good thing. They're not bad. Well, well, we can say emotions are not good or bad. You know, we put value on them, but they are what they are. And it's good to allow them to take their course and, and celebrate that and really be grateful that we are feeling sentient beings and it's, there's beauty in that. So I thank you both from my, my heart, bottom of my heart. It's been a really rich and beautiful episode and, and I hope there's lots of value for the listeners. And obviously we would like listeners to, to comment and share and, and join us on, on this journey of, of self-realization and creating conscious, beautiful relationships. 
And as Yamanda heard, it's coming. You know, Angelique has has proof. <laughs> so this is Anne Blunt, your tantric sex and relationship coach, and a host of this podcast called Tantric Sex for Lovers and Others. Thank you for listening.